This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast, brought to you by the good folks at Bet Rivers. And remember, for all of your wagering needs as we head towards a, another football season right around the corner. Collars will get going before you know it. Training camps are underway. Uh, go to the Bet Rivers app for everything that you will need. And remember, in New York and New Jersey, it's Bet Rivers. In Connecticut, it's Play Sugar House. And we will have some uh, announcements heading towards the football season with Bet Rivers, so stay tuned for that. Uh, as we uh, get closer, as we said, to September. Before you know it, hey, July's almost gone already, folks. August is upon us. Get a vacation in, get ready to get the kids back to school or college, which I have coming up for uh, my twins, uh, off to college this year. So uh, a, a new uh, experience as far as that's concerned. Uh, and get ready for that, and then back for another football season, which I'm very much uh, looking forward to. Uh, a couple of thoughts uh, on the baseball, and then some other things random, and then we'll get to some emails. Um, the Yankees showed you last night in game one of the uh, two-game Subway Series, and I, I wish they would just go back to playing three and three. I think the games are... Worth having. I think uh, you see nothing but uh, full stadiums and exciting fans, excited fans. So I, I think uh, four is not enough. I think it should be six. That's just me. I've always been a big proponent of the Subway Series. I like it. And I don't think it's lost its appeal. Um, but the Yankees showed you last night again why the Kansas City weekend was just one that came at the right time allowed some guys to gain some confidence like Rizzo, who had been in such mired in such a deep slump. But it meant very little. They put terrible starting pitching on the mound, and the Yankees hit one of three of them. Uh, we said, hey, let them hit some decent pitching. You know, as the Yankees get tougher into the schedule here, which they are going to do very quickly with the Mets and then the Orioles and all the teams that are lined up right afterwards – the Yankees have to prove with this lineup that they can hit anything. Now, getting Judge back will be an enormous lift. The Yankees have elevated Judge's status to the moon by being so bad in his absence. So if you're wondering about value, my God, it couldn't be higher. Uh, they have counted the days till he would come back. There were reports he might be back, might be back this weekend. Not definite but should be back according to plan within a week. Again, not definite, so let's take it one day at a time. Yankees got two hits off Verlander last night, who the only thing he was was a little wild, but over six innings, which kept him from throwing deeper by being a little wild, uh, he allowed two hits and no runs. Hey, he should 
be very happy with that. He has pitched very well. He's pitched to about a 1.5 ERA in his last six starts. He's done much better. But it's, again, this Yankee lineup that just does not hit. LeMayo had some walks. He didn't get a hit. Stanton had a couple walks, didn't get a hit. Rizzo didn't get any walks, went over five. So there's the middle of your lineup again. The Yankees didn't score until Verlander was out of the game. By then, the game was already long gone because Alonzo showed up last night and put on a little bit of a show. We have seen guys do that before in this series, uh, and he did it last night by hitting two home runs and knocking in, obviously, a Truck wrote a run, a runs last night, hitting a three-run homer, then hitting a solo blast. Uh, the Mets got a lot of offense. They got, you know, two hits out of McNeil, three hits out of Lindor, and, you know, a big game out of Alonzo, and they go on to an easy, easy victory. The Yankees showed you again last night what we've been yelling about for months. Their lineup is anemic. They put guys in the outfield that can't catch the ball. The Yankees let balls drop last night that were embarrassing which got the ball rolling. Then the Mets threw in the long ball, and away we went. But the Yankees just don't play like the Yankees, and they continue to put players on the field who do not belong in a Yankee lineup. Now, I did SMY last night with uh, Sal and JJ, which is a lot of fun. But um, what I said was I thought the Yankees would still get a wild card. I do because I think Judge will come back. They will get some reinforcement in the starting rotation, which will make the bullpen a little better, a little stronger. I think the bullpen, as I've stated all year, is overrated. I don't trust it in a big spot. They don't have a closer I believe in. Uh, I don't like the way he uses the bullpen. They do have some live arms, but they're not there every day, and they're not consistent every day. Um, obviously, big start tonight for the Yankees. Big, actually, I really believe psychologically, a big game tonight for the Yankees. And not often I would say that, but the bottom line is the Yankees need to prove that, you know, they can beat somebody other than Kansas City before they start to get a little deeper into the the schedule here because, you know what, they're going to start playing teams that are good. They're not, and if you go through what they did in recent weeks, they didn't beat teams that weren't good. They got beat series by teams that aren't any good. So what would make you think they're going to beat the good teams? Now, getting Judge back, getting a shot in the arm in the starting rotation, and then thinking of trades and whether it's Bellinger. And I, ha- I just have a feeling that Bellinger, who is readily available, is going to get moved. I don't think there's any question. And I just think it's logical where I could see him in Yankee Stadium in left field uh, playing every day and, you know what, hitting some home runs. Yankees need left-handed power, case, close. They need a quality left-handed bat. And they'll probably add another starter, which is fine. Now, tonight's game is big because, you know what, it's big for both teams because they're hoping that they can get something out of both teams are hoping they get something out of this pitcher who they waited a lot for this year whether it's Quintana for the Mets or it's Rodon for the Yankees they need these guys to pitch well if they have any belief they're going to get a run going the Yankees 
to get to the wild card, which is still expected despite their play recently, or the Mets, who are a much longer shot but still have an outside chance. The guy on the mound tonight for both teams, whether it's Quintana or whether it's Rodon, are key guys, very key guys going forward. They need some quality starts out of these guys. Now, tonight you have the two left-handers on the mound, and we'll see which one pitches well and how they do attacking these guys. But the Yankees, if they lose this game, it will have completely erased anything they thought they gained from the Royals, who are not a major league team. And then the Yankees can get ready to go to Baltimore for the weekend where the Orioles are a big-time team now. They still need another starting pitcher. If they're going to make a serious run this year, they have to get another starting pitcher. But the bottom line is their lineup is so much better than the Yankees now, it's not even worth discussing. They have really good, young, quality players. Yankees don't. Yankees have a bunch of veterans. All right, Volpe, listen, Volpe's going to be okay. I, I really believe that. He's going through trial by fire here. He has a lot of bad days. He has some decent days. He hasn't let it affect his fielding when he has a tough time at the plate, which is very positive. He seems unflappable, which I think is very positive. But there's not anybody else you would put in that class right now. And they got a lot of guys, let's be honest, don't belong playing in the starting lineup for the Yankees. Now, the Yankees are going to go to Baltimore Friday night, face a team that's, you know, 23 games over 500 and is thinking big things this year. And they're going to have to be a lot better. And if they lose to the Mets again tonight, they'll limp in there, and the three games against Kansas City will mean absolutely nothing, which is what they meant. Yes, they put three wins and ended the bleeding for a couple of days, but the bottom line is it was just like when they, you know, you, you get a couple of days against the A's. You're going to find a way to beat the A's. Now, the A's play a lot of one-run games. The Royals play a lot of one-run games, but they lose them all. That's why they're both 40 games under 500. The Yankees eked out a couple of games against the Royals and then, you know, flexed their muscles Sunday against a terrible starting pitcher. It meant nothing last night when they couldn't get a hit off Erlander. Let's see how they do tonight. A couple of things... Randomly, and then we'll get to some emails. I keep hearing people going to jet camp and being amazed by what they see when they watch Aaron Rodgers perform. Oh, I went to jet camp and I watched Rodgers. I couldn't believe the way through the ball. Where have you been? What league have you been watching the last two decades? This is one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the sport. This isn't just a Hall of Fame quarterback. This is a guy who's as good as just about anybody who ever physically played the position. What did you expect to see? I have made this statement many times. The the Jets' leap at quarterback this year is the biggest leap a team has ever made in the NFL in one year at quarterback. They went from a quarterback who couldn't play to a guy who is one of the handful, handful, and I mean handful, top five, 
quarterbacks of all time. That's why you get and you say, oh, his accuracy is this, his movement is that. Hey, he's a great player. I don't think people have digested that yet. He's a great player, and he's still a great player. Giants did a smart thing with Barkley. They let him save a little face without really giving him anything. So they put a couple of incentives in the contract that could jack it up to $13 million. So what? They didn't give him a big contract. They didn't give him a contract. And the bottom line is now at least they have him and they don't have to worry about it. So it was a smart move without really giving anything up. They dressed it up and let him save face. And before I get to the emails, the one last thing I want to mention is the Jalen Brown contract, which boggles the mind. As you probably know by now, Jalen Brown has signed the biggest contract in the history of the NBA. Now, contracts are always right place, right time. But usually you have to be a storied player or at least a no-brainer top, you know, franchise player on your team to get a contract like Brown got. Brown isn't the best player on his team. And it's not, it really isn't close. Not only that, he is, listen, I'm not going to tell you Brown isn't physically talented. He is. He's got a good NBA body. He can defend. He can shoot the ball. He can go to the basket. It would be nice if we could learn a left. We understand that. But the bottom line is he is a turnover-prone, good, very good player. He's not a top. He's not an all-NBA player. He's not one of the top players in the league. When you start ticking off the, players in the, in the, the best players in the league, you don't start with Jalen Brown. So this contract is absurd. It just shows you right place, right time. Happens a lot with NBA quarterbacks. Right place, right time. The best quarterback isn't always getting paid the most money. Some teams are smarter than others. Some teams understand how to play the game with the salary cap a lot better than others. But this contract borders on the absurd. It really does. There's some contracts that you just say, are you kidding me? This is one of those, are you kidding me contracts? He's a nice player. He's a good player. He's not a great player. He got paid like a super duper player. He got paid like LeBron James. He got paid like Kevin Durant. He got paid like Jokic. You get paid like the guys who you know are the best handful of players in the league. And he's not. Not nearly. All right, when you want to send an email, you go to MikeFrancesaPodcast at gmail.com. MikeFrancesaPodcast at gmail.com. Let's see what's on your mind today. We'll get to a couple. I get to as many as we possibly can. Okay, uh, I know we don't get to all of them. I apologize, but keep sending them. We get to them, uh, and we run through as many as we can. All right, here we go. Paul, 
Should Aaron Rodgers sit in the preseason just to play it safe to avoid injuries? Does he need to work? Hey, if you see Aaron Rodgers in a preseason game, uh, you know what? Somebody should drug test the coach. <laughs> you know, don't put Aaron Rodgers in a preseason game. Don't even think about putting him in a preseason game. And if you do, you put him in game three for a quarter. I mean, it, it, I, and I wouldn't even bother with the cameo, okay? I really wouldn't. Anthony. Have you seen Oppenheimer yet? I have not, okay? He says, I saw it in IMAX, uh, and I enjoyed it. Uh, uh, I, Oppenheimer, it's almost been a little bit of Oppenheimer versus Barbie as the which was going to be better at the box office, looking at the frivolous with Margot Robbie, of course, in the movie, and Oppenheimer, which is this movie, uh, as you probably know, about the architect of the atom bomb and how that came about. I very much am wanting to see Oppenheimer. Um, my kids want to see Oppenheimer. My wife wants to see Oppenheimer. So we got to make a date and see Oppenheimer very soon. And I will tell you what I thought when I see it. Um, I'm aware of the Oppenheimer Truman relationship because I've read uh, many Truman books, including the best biography ever written, which is David McCullough's Treatment of Truman, which I still highly recommend to anybody who likes biographies. It's the best biography ever written. It won the Pulitzer Prize. It is a brilliant, brilliant look at a man who was thrust into the biggest decisions in the history of mankind, and he never wanted any part of it. He was a failed haberdasher who went to work for the political machine in Missouri and then kept moving up the line until he wound up handpicked to be the vice president for a dying FDR who handpicked him to be president because he knew he was dying. He saw things in Truman that Truman didn't even see in himself. And then Truman was thrust into the biggest decisions in the history of the world. It's a fascinating book. It's a big book. It's like a thousand pages. I've read it, and this is not a joke, I've read it in my life three times. I love it. It's my favorite book. I have a lot of political books. I have a lot of Kennedy books. I have hundreds of Kennedy books. I collect them. Um, and, you know, I go to old books and look for them if I'm uh, somewhere in a different town or something like that. But uh, people send them to me. Uh, but Kennedy books, and I'm talking about a book about, you know, Jackie writing letters, someone writing letters to Jackie or something like that. I'm talking about real Kennedy books written by his guys, and I have all those and everything else. And some of them are what you would expect, and some of them are highly critical. So it's a fascinating look, to be honest with you. But I have a handful of Truman books. But the McCullough book stands out. I think the best sports biography I ever read was When Pride Still Matted by David Marinus, who's a great biographer about Vince Lombardi. That's the best sports biography I've ever read. It's a great book. But the Truman book is better. The Truman book's the best book I've ever read. Now, I don't read fiction. I don't. I only read history 
I only read uh, biographies. I don't read fiction. That's just me. I just don't. Okay? And I have other books like The Trials. I just recently read The Trials of Harry Truman by uh, Jeffrey Frank, which was a good book. It wasn't obviously his biography. But you have to understand, Truman was older. He was poor. He didn't think a lot of himself. But he was a dogged, disciplined worker and, a, and just a, a, a tough guy, a tough guy in the military. Came back and got into the Pendergast machine. Got to, won a Senate seat. Was called the senator from Pendergast because Pendergast was the, was the, you know, the criminal crime boss you know, the guy who had all the, you know, he got paid and did all the, you know, all the different things in Missouri, wound up going to jail. Truman became a senator. He became a senator of note when he investigated fraud during World War II by companies that would take money and never even build munitions or take money and never even build factories. And he went around the country and found out and, and, and basically saved the government billions of dollars. And when FDR was dying, he picked, hand-picked Truman to be his vice president. Now, FDR's vice president never even saw him or talked to him. Truman hardly ever talked to him. When they had a meeting at the White House, he wasn't even included. So he was nothing but a figurehead. He used to go down and play cards with the senators as the vice president because he had nothing to do until he died. And then all of a sudden he was president and he, he didn't even know about the atomic. He didn't even know about the Manhattan project, which was the making of the project to make the atom bomb. He didn't even know it existed. He had gone to the Secretary of Defense earlier and said, what is the Manhattan Project? And he was told to mind his business when he was a senator. And obviously, all this now plays into Oppenheimer. And I don't want to give away any parts of the movie because, uh, but their relationship was interesting to say the least. He and Oppenheimer. And Oppenheimer and Einstein and all the different things. So this movie has been, it's three hours long which I always feel the... Now, listen, I'm not a movie maker, but I always feel you should be able to make a movie in 210. If you're longer than that, you really didn't cut a good movie. That's what I think, but I'm not a movie maker. This movie's three hours long. It's hard to make a three-hour movie that's really good. Really hard. To hold the audience's attention for three hours. You could do it for two hours, but three hours is really hard got to be real quality stuff we'll see if this is i'm looking forward to it i haven't read any reviews because i don't want to be swayed by the movie or swayed by people's thoughts of the movie i want to go in with a clean slate i hope to see it in the next week i will uh review it for you after i see it um kevin what are your thoughts uh on a franchise bringing back trevor bauer um don't have any thoughts about him at all not one of my favorites um victor i enjoyed your visit to sny okay while sal and jj have done well kevin burkhardt's success has been stratospheric 
do you anticipate Burkhardt, uh did you anticipate that Burkhardt would do this well in the broadcasting business? Hey, Burkhardt, Kevin broke in doing updates on our show, on the Mike and the Mad Dog show. Dog loved him. Right from the start, he loved him. Um, he was a nice guy. You know, good-looking guy, clean cut. Um, he went off and did that Met gig. That was a big break for him because it, it parlayed a job with Fox, which he has now parlayed into being Fox's lead guy in football, in baseball, being this, you know, the, really the signature guy for Fox. And really, it's a meteoric rise. Did I expect it? No, I wouldn't expect anybody. We've had guys do well on TV at a fan. We've had guys do well in the media business at a fan. We have a lot of famous broadcasters at a fan. There's a pretty good handful of them. We've had guys do well doing TV, whether it's Iron Eagle, uh, Mike Breen on the NBA, um, obviously Burkhart can go down the line. But Burkhart's ascent has been extraordinary. And no, I don't think any of us could have predicted it. Not at all. And he's done a really great job. And here's the thing about Burkhardt. He's a great guy. He really is. He's a, he's a very good guy. So more power to him. I wish him well. And he's done very well. We chat from time to time. He's done really well. He really has. He's a good guy, too. Um, Joe, how soon do the Mets need to get to 500 to secure any chance of making a run for a playoff spot? I would say Labor Day. They have to be 500 by Labor Day. Anything less doesn't work for me as even having a chance. I might even say September 1st rather than Labor Day. I might even go September 1. I don't know off the top of my head what Labor Day is this year. Um, but I'll even go September 1 for the Mets to get to 500. Aside from injuries, what do you think went wrong with Matt Harvey in New York? Well, first, the injuries were very rare and very serious. But Matt didn't handle himself well. He succumbed to some of the pressures of stardom. He had trouble handling some of the day-to-day pressures of stardom. I'm sure in his useful indiscretions, he would like to do some different things differently. But more than anything else, it was the fact that he suffered some severe injuries and uniquely severe injuries. And too bad because for a while there, he was unbelievable. He really was unbelievable. The All-Star game, I'll never forget. And the World Series game against Kansas City, I can still remember it. And I'm telling you, there wasn't one person in that building who didn't want him to go back out there for the ninth inning. Not one. So I never second-guessed that call because I wanted him to go back out, and so did everybody else want him to go back out for the ninth inning, but he was brilliant that night. Hey, in the natural, there is a statement that can transcend sports forever. When early in the movie, Roy Hobbs' father says to him, Roy, talent isn't enough. It's true every day. There are legendary players 
All of them have great talent. You cannot become a legendary player without having great talent. There aren't self-made legendary players. If there's one exception to that rule, it might be Pete Rose. But there are tons of players who wasted incomparable talent because talent isn't enough. We'll see. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. 